Hello and welcome to Mommying, Surviving, and Thriving, a podcast for women that believe in living their best life while working and raising a family at the same time. We discuss how to live a happy, healthy, wealthy, and thriving life while balancing the demands of being a woman, mom, and all-around superwoman. We're here to inspire you with a new perspective and to also create a community of supportive women in the process. Let's dive in. Hello, ladies, and welcome to this episode of Mommying, Surviving, and Thriving. Today, we'll discuss the dreaded imposter syndrome. When I wrote my book, Why Not Now?, I dedicated an entire chapter to imposter syndrome because research shows that so many women experience this throughout their life. I know I have. So today I'm happy to have with me Dr. Kimberly Wilson. Dr. Wilson is the go-to expert for women in high stress roles experiencing burnout. Her mission is to cure 5,500 women of burnout in honor of her grandmother's legacy. Dr. Kimberly Wilson is a retired Marine. She received her doctorate in international psychology. This unique perspective positions her to guide leaders on cultural differences, the interconnectivity of global systems, and to excel within multinational organizations. She's an author, a coach, a licensed marriage and family therapist for over 20 plus years and an international psychologist. She's also the mother of two teenagers. She's a native of Detroit that's transplanted to Fort Mill, South Carolina. Welcome, Dr. Kimberly. Thank you very much, Myla, for having me here on your podcast. I'm really excited to speak to your guests and hopefully serve in a way that is meaningful. Oh, I know you will. So we're going to jump right in and you just tell us a little bit about you. I obviously talked a little bit about your burnout, your your um, bio, but I know you have much more to share with us. So please. Right. So part of, uh, I think I should kind of start with uh, something that isn't in my my bio and uh, the fact that my, my burnout and over um, imposter syndrome started just prior to me um, really beginning to get deep into my career in, in the Marine Corps, I, I had a, some tragedy occur where I was sexually assaulted. And being both outside of the military and within the military. And one of the things about being a Marine is you don't show weakness. Mm-hmm. And when you're in a male-dominated organization, to, to be the female that needs help or that is wounded is just not something that you do. So I carried that stigma as a way that I needed to overcompensate for this thing that I saw as a flaw and a weakness and how, how it made others perceive me and how I perceived myself, which at the time was very damaged. And when you fast forward that to even times past the the military and managing a community mental health organization, I was running myself ragged. I had two children uh, that were 15, they were 15 months apart. And 
you who all are moms or know that just was not a good idea. Diaper after diaper after diaper, right? My um, children are <laughs> 16 months apart. The first two are 19 months apart and then the second are 16 months apart. So I, I get it. <laughs> you know, the, the struggle is real. <laughs> yes. And so my husband was working off away from home. So he would always be sent out. And there was all, there's always a crisis in community mental health. I had a large staff and I was working my, my eyes out and just running to meet daycare. And everybody knows that feeling, well, not everybody, that when your child is the last one to be picked Mm -hmm. up and that look in their eyes, just disappointment. And I can't remember what the incident were because there were so many, and I would just be bawling in my car because it was so overwhelming the way that I, how I drove myself to, to perform and exceed and be everything to everyone. So I realized that I had to stop doing that and I had to create some strategies to overcome that. Now, does that mean I'm perfect? I, I have to, I slip and I have to re-implement the strategies when I notice myself slipping. Oh. Thank you first for sharing that um, intimate story with us. Um, I know that was difficult. And I know that um, a lot of women are have gone through something similar and hearing your story um, and then continue to hear what you're going to continue to say, I think is going to be very beneficial to them. So thank you for that. You're welcome. Now, part of what you said um, and what I read is in honor of your grandmother's legacy. So talk to us a little bit more about that and what that means to you. Well, my grandmother was my heart. She uh, she died at a young age, 55, mm-hmm. uh, and I am about to be 55. So that is very significant for me. And uh, she was someone who accepted me for me. Uh, you know, it didn't matter what I did. It was always, I'm, I'm perfect, exactly the way I was. And I would see herself run herself ragged, trying to care for, for me and my, um, my sister, worrying about family members, um, my step-grandfather, my grandfather, because he's the only one that I, I knew, he was an alcoholic. So trying to manage all of that. And she did not drive either. So every time we had to go somewhere, we would either have to use a jitney. And now I'm dating myself because I don't know if anybody knows what that is. It's basically, it's, it was the Uber of the past. People just used their cars and you paid the money and uh, you, you would wait wherever and they would pull up. You need a ride? we get in the car. Uh, <laughs> so we, we were on the forefront of Uber yes. and Lyft and just didn't know it. Exactly. <laughs> or we would catch the Detroit bus and public transportation, you can't get anywhere fast at all. So just seeing her run herself ragged from that and cooking everything from scratch, she was burning herself out and she'd be tired and she'd ask me to, you know, rub her feet or scratch her head or or, you know, just rub her face. And uh, so I didn't like what it did to her. And she mm. died an early death of uh, breast cancer. Mm. Sorry to hear that, but she definitely lives on with you um, and it's inspired you to create what you have created. And, and I definitely understand the impact of your grandmother and some of the audience, they know that part of why I'm doing what I'm doing and 
is because of the death of my grandmother and my father. So both who played a significant role in my life and continue to beyond uh, being here actually physically on earth. So um, I definitely uh, can understand where that comes from. Right, right. So let's get into imposter syndrome. So as I discussed, I know I've experienced it and sometimes I still do. Um, and many, many women experience this. So how, what made you focus on this um, as part of your legacy to your grandmother? I know you talk about the burnout, but if we can talk about the imposter syndrome, which as you said, kind of go hand in hand. Um, but what was, what made you focus on that? Well, in, in addition to my own experiences and whenever you're doing healing work, you tend to attract mm -hmm. that which you're struggling with um, at times. And I noticed that overwhelmingly, there were so many women who were affected by imposter syndrome and, and burnout. And it was, it's years of data. And I hadn't really noticed that until, until the pandemic. And I just started thinking about who I had who I was working with and how I was serving and how I was showing up. And I, I was using the same strategies over and over again. And the story, I, I think one of the stories, but could I share a story? Of sure, yes. Okay. If I could take an example of one, one client, it's a middle-aged female with a, a house of, of men, uh, young men. And uh, she was working, um, in a, in a governmental department. And uh, she was to move up. She was doing the work of her boss. She took on mm. one of his tasks and well, multiple of his tasks and had been doing it for two years. No, no upward mobility inside, but she was just continuing to do that. She would also uh, take on other projects of colleagues who were uh, deficient or couldn't do it correctly. She would occasionally uh, do roles in which she had been promoted out of because others couldn't do it correctly. Mm. Those that she was supervising, she micromanaged because she wanted to have it very perfect. She didn't want anything to misrepresent her. Mm -hmm. And um, she carried that home as well. Now you ramp that up with the pandemic and having a child that she needs to um, teach. Uh, she was making a very elaborate dinners mm. every day, even though her family was saying, mom, we don't need this, baby, <laughs> why are you doing that? She did every chore in the home, wow. even though she had a teenage, uh, preteen and a teenage child and was managing things, uh, medical care for her parents. Mm. And was the go-to person for, um, uh, an event that happens for, for every uh, taxes uh, for many family members. Wow. She sounds like actually a lot of people we know, including ourselves. So continue, please. <laughs> right. So, and, and it's just a pattern that I noticed just would occur over and over. And it wasn't giving any sense of uh, uh, accomplishment. There was still, that, that was the key that I was noticing. They would downplay their accomplishments. It was luck. It was, they were uh, there at the right time. They knew somebody, anybody else could do it. So all of these things that would downgrade their achievements. Mm -hmm. 
it's something um because i'm well you can see me the people can we're uh, we're looking at each other and i'm yes and i'm trying not to interrupt but that person is so many of us right and we experience this every day um we try to go above and beyond and this is also not just a uh just a female thing i feel it's even more so in the african-american community and then also just people of color i feel like going above and beyond and trying to prove ourselves because we have always been considered less than. So um, can you talk more about that and just other experiences that you've had with women who are there and they're, they're like you're saying, they're in their vice president or president here or um, manager or an entrepreneur. How do they get from point A to point B, right? They come to you for a reason. And a lot of it is an imposter syndrome. How can one move to get out of that? I know it's hard because it's kind of been embedded in them for so long, but how do they, what are some steps that they can use? And you had a couple of questions in there. So I'm going to back up to the first one. So you may, you may have to remind me. So um, when you Think about um, African-Americans in particular or minorities in general. Uh, I know one of the things that I was given culturally and, and many of us have been is that you have to work twice as hard to get half as far. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's been something that I've heard. I, I can't even tell you the first time that I've heard it, but I always knew I had to do more and be more to be, to be recognized, to get opportunities. Furthermore, um, and when you think about just business owners in general and um, their their achievements, it's so difficult for minorities to get the proper funding and uh, the resources or mentors. I mean, you're you're particularly lucky because you had a family who's had a business for 80 years and who could pass on that business acumen and that Mm -hmm. skill. We don't talk about that. We don't um, make sure that when uh, when our children graduate, like one of the things, my son just really graduated. And uh, one of the things that we made sure that he has is a passport in hand. That he uh, that his first job it's it's already set up to invest in stocks that he understands uh, finances that um, he he understands just relationships and some of those things we don't always equip ourselves um, with the things necessary to to succeed and let me not get on the tangent your second <laughs> I know we can we can spend so much time on that I I already understand. Right. Um, and, and so when you couple that minority status with imposter syndrome and, and burnout, um, it's, it's really a toxic cocktail, right? Because imposter syndrome, we don't believe we're good enough in the, in the first place. And so we engage in the, in the evil twins of overwork and, and overwhelm. We avoid things. So the first things that we need to begin to do, and I, I made sure I wrote them down because I want to stay focused, because <laughs> I know we only had a little bit of time, is begin to reclaim our life. Okay. Mm-hmm. So, so many of us are living our lives as if in the future, you're going to be by yourself. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you will be by yourself. So abandon that future reality, live for now. Um, the first thing that I would suggest 
after that is to reassess your standards for success. What is success and what does that look like? So we've been sold a, a bill of goods about what success means, but does that really give you satisfaction? Staying at your job or your business 60, 80 hours a week, does that really, does that fill you up or does, or does that drain you? Right. So looking at your, uh, and they can begin to reassess that by looking at the division of their time and their energy, how much, and begin to estimate how much time you spend doing all the things. And you begin to learn that while there is an infinite possibility of things you could be doing, you are a finite being with a finite amount of hours to live on this earth. So you got to set some boundaries. Is, now I see you shaking your head. Is there anything you want to <laughs> say on that? Time is, is precious. That's the only thing that we know we run out of, right? Is time. So I think we as women need to protect that. And we don't. I think we are always concerned about the next person, whether it's our spouse, our kids, parents, whomever, we go above and beyond and stretch ourselves then to assist others. But then that means that we have less time for ourselves. And then when we do have time for ourselves, we're too tired because we did everything for everybody else. So I think we need to protect that, that pressure's precious piece, which is time. Right. And, and a lot of people will say, but how do you expect me to do that? Um, So one of the things is, is I have this values exercise where I ask people to just make a little pie circle. Then prior to putting anything in the pie, list the top five things that are important to you. What is most valuable and what's most important to you? And you do that in order from one to five with one being the most important, five being the least important. So with this pie circle, you'll have two circles. Slice the pie if you look at an order of importance, use it to see what's important for you. So if if I said uh, God, family, school, exercise, and uh, eating out, and so I'd, I'd proportion my circle to represent that. Mm-hmm. Then in the second circle, divide it out for what you actually spend your time on. And that's a really good visual reminder of, wow, I say I value these things up here, but I only give that X amount of time. So am I really living a congruent lifestyle? Is that aligned with who I say I am? Usually it's not. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's a good way to begin to reassess uh, your standards of success in, in what you'd like to have. The next thing is to begin to tackle overwork and avoidance. So those are things that kind of come with uh, a po- imposter syndrome. You need to do less. I have a whole talk around leveling up by shifting down. Mm. So, and I know that's terrifying to hear do less. Like, what do you mean do less? I don't have enough time in the day to do all the things that need to be done. Become curious and conduct experiments, right? See what happens if you don't put in the extra three hours. Mm -hmm. What will happen if when you get home, you log out of your email? So you don't even get the notifications on your phone that something's going on. Log out of your social media. Don't scroll through it. Um, If you're going to, uh, often if you're a perfectionist, you will 
obsess over little details in work and go over it with a fine tooth comb. You read it forward, you read it backwards, you ask somebody else to check it out and then you read it again because they didn't, you know, they missed something, right? And um, that takes so much time and energy. So instead of making sure that it's 100% correct, what about 75 to 80% and see what happens and you can just do this a week or a couple of days. See what happens if you submit something that's 75 to 80% perfect. My guess is that you'll find that people, it is just fine exactly the way it is. Something else that you can do is to make sure that you're, you're not working on weekends um, mm. and protect that time. I see you smiling. What are some <laughs> of your thoughts? Well, because a part of that I was thinking about when you were saying um, if you decide not to work those extra three hours, what will happen when you turn off that email? I just said the sun will rise again <laughs> tomorrow and work will go on as usual. So I've had to learn that for myself um, because I was always the person that could not say no. So throughout the years, and this actually was a graduate school project for me. Um, oh. at, at Texas Southern University was something that we needed to work on. And that was for me to say no. And it took a long time for me to do that. And even as I am today, now I'm working for myself. And my husband looked at me one day when I said, well, no, I, I, I don't take meetings on Fridays. And he's like, what? <laughs> what? And me I either. said, I said, because I, I'm not, I didn't get into this to be as stressed as I was before or overwhelmed as I was before. So now I am able to control my schedule where I'm doing A through C on Monday, D, and it goes on. And then Friday, I'm able to do what I need to do for my life. And so it took me years to get to that place obviously I'm 41 now it took me a long time to get there but when people ask me how's it going how are you feeling and I I say I'm happy so I I, I definitely understand and I, I was there and so I, I want you to continue on to kind of help our audience as some are still in that place right and so we had the same off day I don't no meetings on Fridays. That is my time. Exactly. Um, <laughs> and, and remembering that perfect is, is not efficient. Perfection is the death of progress. Mm. You okay. will not go forward if everything has to be perfect. You will not take that leap. I'm sure that's part, part of something that you talk about in your book. I haven't even gotten to it yet, but I bet <laughs> it's in there. That you, it, is why not now the journey to taking the leap is the name of the book so yes it's definitely in there right we had a saying in uh in my doctoral program that the best dissertation is a done dissertation because mm. <laughs> mm -hmm. there's always more that can be done that goes back to what we talked about you only have a finite amount of time um you know i have a friend who will obsess over you know, small things like social media posts and just, oh my goodness, I, I, I did this or this, this word isn't right. And people know you are on your phone and sometimes it, you, I got a little fat thumbs and it, <laughs> I might misspell a word. Now I know how to spell. Right. It's okay. 
my sister has a little caption. I think it's either in her text messages or her email to saying multitask or something, whereas while, um, while she's working so that you know that excuse the uh, errors, excuse the um, spelling errors, I'm actually living life. I'm, I'm working and doing multiple things. So I said, I should probably take that from her. I don't, I can't remember the exact saying, but it, it, I like it. And yeah. I keep saying, I'm gonna put that in my email. That, that, oh, you might, I'm, you might have to send that to me as well. <laughs> I will, I will. I, I will. love that. Um, the second thing is that if you are, whether you are working or you're, you're momming, begin to be transparent about your life and not act as if, you are in this vacuum of service, whether it's to your church, to your family, to the PTA or, or the uh, football or soccer or whatever it is, that you have a life outside of that. So begin to set some boundaries around that and that no is a complete sentence. <laughs> I just had that conversation <laughs> with one of my best friends. We talked about that. And just as women, we say no, because I have this or no, because of this or no, I can't and have all the explanations and everything for that when it's simply okay to say, no, mm -hmm. I can't do it. Right. And there's no explanation as to why I can't do it. Just know that it's, it's no. Right. Because mm -hmm. often when we do that, it's as if we are seeking permission or or acceptance for our response, they'll say, okay, yes, you may not do it, it it's okay. But you're giving away so much power when you do that, um, because when you provide all the excuses, people provide solutions, because- <laughs> Yes, that's exactly what happens. <laughs> mm -hmm. Because it works against their agenda. They are mm -hmm. trying to free up their calendar or themselves. No, I cannot bring cupcakes, no. <laughs> Because no, <laughs> don't ask me. You probably wouldn't want my cupcakes. <laughs> I tell me, I just had this discussion. I said, if you ask me to do anything, it's going to be a box cake or a box cupcake. So if you want homemade, don't come to me for it because it's not. <laughs> when the hair is teeter public, somebody. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah, that, that, that's that's only chocolate chip cookies. That's the only thing I'll make. And I haven't oh, done that for yes. Years. And that's my favorite chocolate chip cookies. Yes. <laughs> so we'll have to trade recipes and stuff after after the podcast. Yes, ma'am. Um, and another thing that you can do is don't micromanage. Mm -hmm. If you if you are in charge of others or you're you're delegating a, a task when you micromanage, remember how that feels when when mm. it was done to you it is so intense you are doing triple work sometimes when you micromanage somebody because first you have to delegate the task outline what needs to be done and then you go through and you bother them about it so what happens is then they don't do their best work because you're micromanaging and uh you can also do an experiment with that what will happen if i don't micromanage what type of product will they produce? It's probably good enough. It is. I I, I was micromanaged. And oh, I, that was a learning experience for me to know when I got to uh, management, that's was something I was not going to do because the anxiety, the stress of me micromanaged 
um, people were, and my colleagues who were with us, I mean, were really mentally uh, not okay because they were just stro- so stressed out about all the tasks that were asked, but just that micromanagement. So I knew, you know, I, I take everything as a learning experience. So I knew when I got into management, I would not do that. And for me, I was able to see so many people blossom into so much more because you gave them the room to do more and to um, give their own ideas and um, kind of encourage them. And so they're off doing so many wonderful things. So, yeah. Because it sparks ingenuity and innovation. And so they may craft a solution or do things in a way that you hadn't even considered that is absolutely wonderful, that will transform your business or transform your children or create a new reality that you hadn't even thought about. Exactly. That's awesome. Um, and how close are we? I want to make sure I stay within your time, but there's one more tip I would give to. Oh, no. Yeah, we, ha- we have time. We have time. <laughs> okay. So we'll take it away. <laughs> one of the other things that comes with imposter syndrome is avoidance. And uh, so let's paint a picture of what avoidance looks like. So you, you might sit down at the computer. So for, for a working example, if you sit down at the computer and you say, okay, I need to start on this project. I know that I, I need to have all these things together. Let me get to going on it. And then you said, well, let me, let me check the, my email first because I don't want anything to interrupt me while I do this project. And you go through your email and then you see a link in the email and then you open the link and then you're like, well, wait a minute. Oh, look at that. Somebody responded to my LinkedIn post. Let me see what they said. (laughs) Oh, look at that. And then you're on YouTube watching cat videos. (laughs) I'm laughing hard because my audience is uh, cleaning up. Oh, that's that's one of my favorites too. It's like, oh, you know, I just need to clean space in order to really be able to focus. Yes, yes. (laughs) So you, you know that. And what that what's underlying that is this fear of failure mm-hmm. you know we would much rather attribute it to a lack of time so we we don't just don't do it oh i didn't have time to get rid of it than to consider the possibility that it might be inadequate it feels overwhelming so why do it mm-hmm. And when we think about how we are scheduling ourselves, we are typically so overscheduled that our brains need some type of break from the monotony of whatever we're, we're trying to do. And whether it's, oh, let me make sure that I sew all of these costumes. And it's like, because uh, you said you were going to sew all the costumes for the church play. <laughs> and it's for 30 kids. And you didn't get the money to to buy the material or do any of the other stuff. And it has to be just perfect. Mm -hmm. Um, So it it wastes time when you do that. um, And uh, it keeps you, it keeps your eye off the prize. So it, uh, and it also allows us to delay, excuse me, we don't delay gratification when we do other things. So we know this is going to be painful. We know that it's going to be overwhelming. Who wants? Who wants to do something that's hard, painful, and overwhelming when I can, oh, I can, I can get my laundry done and get that off the list. 
right? That that's the favorite one. But don't ask me to get it folded. Uh, I can I can wash it and I can dry it, but folding that that's a whole. We might just be working out of the basket. <laughs> Look. I said, I am going to work to have someone to come in or I ship out whatever clothes to be washed and folded because um, I, that's, my husband's like, oh, I'll wash your clothes. I'm sure you will because you're not going to fold them. <laughs> Anybody can, we can just put the clothes in the washer and the dryer and whatever. It's just when they come out. <laughs> it's when it's like, oh my God, can I find something else to do? So yes. Yes. Yes, mm-hmm. I've had a lot of girlfriends who had the couch mountain or, or the basket of clean clothes that we just we just pull from as the week goes on. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. So and and really just realizing, you know, the overcome imposter syndrome that all work doesn't need to be productive. Mm. Or all things, all your time doesn't need to be productive, rather. That it's okay to go outside and daydream. Mm to watch the ants, to smell the flowers, to just be and exist, that that's okay. And I think we don't, because we're doing so much, we don't take time to just exist. And I know during the pandemic, we're still in the pandemic, unfortunately, but when I was doing, still working for my old company and then my kids, were well virtual and it it took a toll on me and and my dad passed during that time too so it was just Mm -hmm. a lot what I found is going just outside in the backyard whatever for five minutes just stretching or just smelling the flowers or whatever and that made a difference to me it made a difference in my day outside of like my mom said, she always said, you do better when you, you, you seem to be happier when you exercise. I do. So, but apart also, and I, cause I'm not an outside girl. I like the, I like the air. I like to be inside, but what made a difference for me during those times was going outside literally for a couple of minutes and just being still. Yes. Yes. It, it's amazing. The healing and restorative power of all that is created on this earth. Mm -hmm. And I know that people come from a lot of different spiritual backgrounds. So we don't even have to go into who or if someone created, but just picking up a leaf Mm. or watching the way that ants work together or smelling a flower or looking up at the beauty of all the colors in the sky. I mean, it's it's transformative to just Mm -hmm. stop and consider all that is around you and listening, you know, using your auditory senses, just close your eyes and listen to what's going on around you. It does make a difference. So we don't even think about it because we're into the day-to-day activities going from one meeting to the next or picking up one kid to pick up the next. It's, we just don't take time to just be, as you said. Right. And the last thing I would mention is journaling. Journaling uh, is so helpful with imposter syndrome and burnout because it it allows you to step away and get some perspective on your behavior and your thoughts, and it keeps them from being this runaway train. Because what what happens with our thoughts is we don't even recognize the thoughts we're having. Most of the time, it's event 
and behavior. Mm-hmm. Like we, we, or excuse me, event and emotion. We just have these emotions and these feelings and we're acting on them, but we completely miss what the thought is. And if I have time for a quick example, I think I could really demonstrate that. Yes. So one of the things that I like to share with people to show the power of our thoughts is I want you to imagine, so you're in Louisiana, right? Do you, yes. uh, what's, a, what's a restaurant there? Jackie Chase's restaurant. <laughs> that's, that's right. I'm going to use a national example. Let's just say McDonald's because I think yes. everybody knows uh, McDonald's mm-hmm. um, because I forgot your podcast is national. Um, <laughs> so imagine that I go to the McDonald's drive through and I order $10 worth of food. So I, I give the, the cashier ten, uh, 20, a $20 bill. The cashier walks off and I, I say, does she think I'm stupid? She kept, she kept my $10. I am ticked off. I'm going to get the manager and I want her to be fired for stealing. Okay. Mm-hmm. That's example A. Example B, same thing happened. I come through the driveway. I order $10 worth of food. And then the cashier walks away. I say to myself, oh man, it is busy in there. It, she, she probably just didn't even realize she didn't give me my money. Mm-hmm. When she gets back, I'm gonna let her know that she didn't give my money and we'll just fix it. So in that, in that event, instead of being angry, I'm feeling, I'm understanding about the situation and I'm patient. Mm-hmm. Third situation, I pull up to the McDonald's drive-through again. I order $10 worth of food. I give the cashier a $20 bill. She walks away. And I say, oh, bless her heart. She looks like she hasn't eaten in a while. And you know what? I bet she has kids. I'm just going to let her keep that money as a blessing. Mm-hmm. In that instance, I'm feeling charitable and empathetic. And if you notice, the event did not uh, differ at one iota. Mm-hmm. It was the same event, but it was my thoughts that dictated how I felt about it and my behavior. Mm -hmm. So when we begin to get in there and change our thoughts, like we can do with journaling, we can transform our whole lives. Mm -hmm. I, I totally agree because I've talked about this before that I was never a journaler. I said, who has time for that? I, and that's emotional. I'm not an emotional person. I didn't. But when I started, um, because it is hard to kind of see your feelings, everything in black and white, but it also made me um, feel better as I was able to kind of put down into words how I was truly feeling. And it also helped me to actually finish the book because a lot of what I had in there came from my journal. So I think there is, um, journaling is important. And you, I know you have something uh, that's being released soon, correct? Correct. And, and I'm, I will provide a special link for your listeners. It, I have a journal. It's um, unlocking me the key to my authentic self. I like so, that. So like it, that. it covers multiple areas of your life. There are questions designed to look at the self, to look at, uh, to examine friends and family, to examine um, work, uh, to examine yourself as an entrepreneur, and lastly, your community life. Mm. 
and how all those impact and interact with you. Um, there, there are some questions where I have a little trigger warning on them because some may uh, dredge up some very emotional material, but mm -hmm. the goal in, in that work is to allow people to, to do some action. So I was very clear that it what I didn't just want it to be introspective. I wanted it to be introspective and action oriented. So now you have this information, what you can do with it. All right. That's awesome. Well, we're looking forward to seeing that. And so how can the listeners find your journal? Well, when it's released, it's going to be on Amazon and I will I'll also have a link on my website, which is drkimberlywilson.com. That's drkimberlywilson.com. Sometimes I talk too fast <laughs> and uh, they, they'll be able to access it that way. Perfect. Well, this has been a wonderful conversation. A lot of um, laughs, <laughs> but a lot of great information. So I do thank you, Dr. Kimberly Wilson, for joining us today. Um, do you have any last piece of advice for our listeners who are experiencing imposter syndrome? Know that your life can be different and it requires making some changes. And with that, they are free to get a free assessment with me. Just go to the website. You don't have to pay a dime. We'll spend 30 minutes. And even if you don't use the service, you go walk away with a with a plan of what how to attack the challenges that you're having. And there are so many wonderful books um, that are out there. And I'm trying to. Dr. Hilliard has a wonderful book on uh, imposter sy syndrome. I think it's Dr. Jennifer Hilliard. Um, so many resources out there. If if not me, if not MRP coaching and and consulting find someone to, to get past this. And maybe it's someone in your support system. Mm -hmm. Perfect. So before we go, is there, can you tell us more as to where we can follow you, where we'll get that alert that the journal is out and ready? Yes. So you can follow me on Instagram at the Dr. Burnout. Uh, you can follow me on LinkedIn. It's Dr. Kimberly Wilson. Um, and I'll, I'll provide you with those links and on Facebook, uh, the Dr. Burnout as well. Well, thank you, Dr. Kimberly. We do appreciate your time today. And until next time, ladies, thank you. Thanks for joining us this week on Mommy Surviving and Thriving. Stay connected by liking, following, and subscribing. We're accepting topic requests and questions by email info at mstpodcast.com. Are you balanced at all? Remember, there's only one of you. Stay positive and give yourself grace. We're here to support you in community on your journey to becoming happy, healthy, wealthy, and thriving. See you next week.